0: You're listening to Our Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhalayn and al hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhalayn.org support. So now let's examine some snippets of the Prophet's akhlaq here I will narrate certain hadiths to you that describe the Prophet at a personal level and it's really fascinating when you hear these beautiful narrations giving us an image of how the Prophet would deal with people. We start by examining a hadith by Al-Imam Al-Hassan Al-Mujtabah He narrates this hadith from his uncle uncle Hind ibn Abi Hala. He told him, my uncle you met the Prophet, you lived with him, tell me about his character, I want to hear from you, describing the character of the Prophet. So he starts by asking him, tell me about the speech of the Prophet, how he talked, how he would handle himself when it came to speaking. Listen to his. Response. He says, Kana Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa mutawasil al ahzan. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was continuous in sorrow. What does that mean? He's always crying. Not necessarily he's always crying, but you could see that sadness and sorrow in him. Sadness and sorrow indicate seriousness indicates empathy, people who are overly jubilant and happy, they lose sense of reality, they empathize less with suffering and they prepare less for the Akhirah. but when you have that healthy sorrow and sadness, not depression, we're not talking depression as a disease, no, that purposeful sorrow, it indicates that you're serious, that sorrow allows you to reflect about the Akhirah, that sorrow allows you to care about an orphan, about a poor person, about those who are suffering, that sorrow allows you to not be pulled by this materialistic life, it protects you from materialism. So he says you could see that in the Prophet, al-fikra. He was always contemplating, when he'd be sitting by himself or waiting for an appointment or something, we could see him purposefully thinking about something. The Prophet never pursued raha, what's raha? Comfort, it was never his goal, let me relax, let me have my leisure time, let me enjoy myself, that was not in the dictionary, of the Prophet. He'd never speak if there was no reason for him to speak. Have you seen some people? They just need to talk. The Prophet would only talk if there was a reason. He's answering a question, he's guiding someone. If it were not for that, he'd be silent. Speak only when necessary. Many times we'd see him silent. His silence was prolonged. One sign of politeness that the Prophet would display is that when he'd start speaking and he'd end his speech, he would not fully open his mouth. What does that mean? Have you seen some people when they speak, they get so passionate about what they're talking, they open their mouths a lot, the Prophet was so polite even as he's speaking, he's so polite in his speech, he's so careful with his speech, he would not fully open his mouth as he's speaking. Have you seen some people they open their mouth, like they're really passionate, they want to get their point and they open their mouth as they're talking to kind of force the words on you or to kind of be loud in your presence. The Prophet would not do that. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi he'd try not to open his full mouth as he would speak. This is one of his manners. Another meaning for this phrase is that the Prophet would speak the words with full clarity and with proper pronunciation. Some people they just talk so quickly you don't pick up their words. No, the Prophet was balanced in his speech. He would say the words in a way where you could understand each word and he'd pronounce them very clearly and that really shows self-confidence, that the Prophet is confident with what he was saying and that's why it has greater impact. The Prophet would speak few words but full of meaning See some people they want to get the idea to you, they'll uh, torture you for minutes and minutes and hours to get the idea across. The Prophet uses short words, small words to convey big meanings and that is an art and it's very important to be eloquent like that. You know one uh, linguistic scholar beautifully put it, I can't remember who it was, it was a professor of English or linguistic scholar, he said just like every machine device has no unnecessary parts, look at any device, right, this computer here in front of me, does it have any unnecessary parts or every part serves something, every button on the keyboard serves something, every function serves something, are there any parts that you're like they don't serve anything? They're unnecessary, they're wasteful, no, the company who designs a the device, they make sure that every part of the device is serving a purpose, there's no unnecessary extra parts. He says just as a device has no unnecessary parts, speech should have no unnecessary words. If you're writing something and you could eliminate half of the words and still keep the meaning, do so. Don't add words, some people when they speak or they write something, they just want to add more and more words to their speech more synonyms, more words, you don't need that, the, the more brief you are, the more impactful you are, that's how the Prophet would speak. Faslan. The Prophet's speech was fasl. it was always surrounding the truth, to separate haq from batil truth from falsehood. لَا فُضُولًا وَلَا تَقْصِيرًا فِيهِ The Prophet's speech was perfectly calibrated, it wasn't too much but it wasn't too little. Have you seen some arrogant people you talk to them, they give you like a word or some people they're trying to be cold with you, they give you the cold shoulder, how? You ask them, you want to speak to them, yeah they just keep it very brief, offensively brief, right? The Prophet was not like that, he maintained the balance. He was not excessive in his speech but at the same time he was not too brief such that you feel he doesn't care about you, he's just trying to uh, you know get rid of you. That's not how he was, that's important keep that in mind. Some people are too brief, speak a little bit more, clarify a little bit more, carry the conversation, no some people they're not interested. It's either out of arrogance or they don't care. The Prophet sallallahu was very well balanced. Damithan, very light-hearted, see we think that the Prophets and the Imams are so too serious in their akhlaq, the Prophet is serious about life sure, but when you sit with him, he doesn't seem too serious such that he's intimidating, no, he's light-hearted. Anybody can sit with him and talk to him, anybody could spark a conversation with him and in fact he was humorous and, and he had a lovable character. Some people when they have a, an important position of power, no, 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 they kind of become unapproachable, like you sit with them, you don't know what to talk about, right? And th- they can't even carry a conversation with you. They're so stern, the Prophet was not stern, he was very light-hearted, anybody could approach him, he was not dry, bil Jafi. given that he's a leader, he's very busy, usually you become dry, the Prophet was not dry in his akhlaq, but here's the important part, wala bil mahim. some people because they're so accessible and approachable, sometimes they lose respect, people underestimate them right, okay you know this person, doesn't really have standards for himself, no no, the Prophet wasn't like that. While he was very approachable, he's very light-hearted, kind and humorous, but his respect was imposing on those around him, they would respect him, he had this glory and majesty around him. Now that's an amazing balance to achieve and it's very hard to achieve that. You're accessible but not in a way where um, people will belittle you, no you still command respect. <laughs> the Prophet would glorify the blessings and the ni'ma, even if it's very small, crumbs of bread. Do you show respect for crumbs, crumbs of bread or grain of rice? The Prophet would show utmost respect to a crumb of bread, to a grain of rice. Minha the Prophet would never express dissatisfaction at a small ni'mah, oh today I just had a date for lunch or I just have some crumbs of bread, never. He would appreciate every single ni'mah Allah has given him, he's very appreciative, that's something that we usually don't do. Here's an interesting one, the Prophet would never say anything negative about food nor would he praise food, So the first part, the prophet does not say anything negative about a meal or about food for two primary reasons. Number one, he doesn't want to offend the cook or the one who prepared the food. Look, people spend a lot of time cooking and if you say something negative, that's offensive, that hurts the cook. So the prophet would avoid that, even if he didn't like the food, he would not let the person know. Number two, the prophet's teaching us Who cares, okay let's say the food is not that great, doesn't taste that good, so what? You Allah created you in this world to eat, is that your goal? You have so many priorities in your daily schedule, who cares what the food tasted like? So the Prophet wouldn't bother, he's teaching us don't even waste time being concerned about the taste of the food, doesn't matter, secondary, it's not a primary thing in your life. Now that's the first part which is clear, he would not put any food down, he would not say any negative remarks, how come he would not praise the food? If there is a nice delicious meal, how come he wouldn't praise it? What explains that? Because you would think he would praise it, right? Two primary reasons, number one, the Prophet doesn't want to show too much interest and greed in dunya, because when you have the habit of praising food which by the way western culture today and even arabic culture is heavily dependent on that, food, 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 it's part of our lives, restaurants, tasting, see people spend so much time, resources, money on food, we're obsessed with food, let's face it, we are obsessed with food, in fact when people go to vacations, seeing uh, other parts of the world, do you know many, many, many Americans one of the top things in their agenda is restaurants, what are the best cuisines, dishes, restaurants in that area and they do hours of research reviewing restaurants, reading their reviews, see what have people said, okay I understand it's okay for you as a family, as friends to get together in a restaurant and eat that's fine, but we take it too far, we really do take it too far and some people if they don't get the food that they like it's a big problem, So the Prophet would not positively comment on the food, so he doesn't want to show too much interest in dunya, goes back to the first point, it doesn't matter, it's not an achievement if you ate good food that day, that's not an achievement, focus on other priorities. Number two, so that's the first one, not to show greed, number two, not to encourage people to be obsessed with food, so the Prophet According to this hadith, would not negatively say anything about food, or he would not praise the food either., anything that has to do with dunya, materialism, this life would not anger the prophet, would not frustrate him. You cannot frustrate the prophet with worldly matters. He does not care about dunya. However, does that mean that the Prophet never became angry? No, he would become angry, when? When the Prophet sees that there is a violation, there is an act of injustice, somebody's right is taken away, لم أحد, nobody knows the Prophet. What does that mean nobody knows the Prophet? doesn't mean who the violator is, you're my cousin, you're my brother, you have connections with me, I don't know you. The minute you become oppressive, the Prophet basically shows you, I don't know you, I don't care how you're related to me, you're doing thulm, I'll show my anger and condemnation. Usually we're not like that, if somebody else does it, you quickly react, but if somebody whom you really love who's close to you, Ah, it's okay, you'll make exceptions for them if they keep oppressing others. The Prophet would not make an exception. Nothing would calm the Prophet from his state of anger until he sees that the oppressed gets back his right. Then he'll settle down. That's from the akhlaq of the Prophet. However, when it comes to his personal rights, he would not get angry, وَلَا يَنْتَصَرُ he would not seek his personal rights, you're wrong the Prophet at a personal level, doesn't care, not that he doesn't care, he lets it go because the Prophet taught us when someone violates you personally right, you've got two paths, either you go and take the Haqq and defend yourself, Allah says okay if you are going to defend yourself why should I step in? You're taking matters in your own hands to get back your right. Why should I step in and help you? You're doing it yourself. The second path, say, oh Allah, I submit my case to you. You defend me the way you see fit. And who can defend you better, yourself or Allah? Who can take your right back to you in a better way, you or Allah? That's how the Prophet was. Leave it up to Allah. If he sees fit, he'll get get your haq back to you but he would never pursue his personal haqq. If you want to point at something with your hands, normally how do we point? With a finger, right? The Prophet would not do that, he would not point with his finger if he had to point, he'd point with his hand, it's much more polite. If you tell a person, you know, you please come here, See, see the, gest- the, the gesture with one finger, you please come here, or you group go there. It's fine, there's nothing haram in doing that, that's okay. But compare this to your hand, you, which one seems more polite, inviting and respectful with, your, with the full palm? So the Prophet whenever he'd point at something, he would not use a finger, he'd use his entire hand. That showed a lot more respect and a lot more politeness. بها, and when the Prophet would speak, he would use his hands. Why would the Prophet use his hand when he's speaking? It's more effective. It shows more interest, right? Imagine if somebody comes and he has a problem and you're giving them counseling or answering their questions. If you sit still like a stone and you just talk, yes, the answer to your question is this. Compare that to you using your hands to show them interest they'll connect to you at a personal level. So the Prophet whenever he'd speak, by the way we're not talking about his sermons on the pulpit, no, on the pulpit obviously you're going to use your hands, no, no, we're talking about his speech with with, every, with anyone, a poor person sitting next to him, the Prophet speaks to him, he uses his hands because it shows care, it shows genuine concern. So the Prophet would get angry if somebody's right is violated. When the Prophet would become happy, when you become happy, what do you do? Some people jump, some people dance, some people sing, some people, I don't know what they do. What did the Prophet do when he'd become happy? He'd lower his gaze to the earth. Why? He doesn't get too excited because when you get too excited, you get carried away. Many people make big mistakes, they commit sins, violations, they forget Allah in times of happiness. And here in America, you find that in happy times, holidays, new years, that's when the highest rates of drunk driving happens. People when they get too happy, they start becoming animals, they behave like animals, they go into party mode, the Prophet when he'd get happy, he'd never go into party mode, he'd lower his gaze, showing humbleness, thankfulness to Allah. How did the Prophet normally laugh when he wanted to laugh? Smile, Smile. he would not guffaw, or break into big laughter, no, this is not that appropriate, it's not the ethics and morals of a true believer, he'd smile. Basically he's describing how the Prophet would smile, he says when the Prophet would smile his blessed teeth would show, such that you can see them as white, as snow falling from the clouds, that's how the Prophet's smile was captivating to people around him, it's like snow is falling from the clouds, that's how white they were, that's how uh, beautiful his smile was. And then he says, The Prophet was always in a positive attitude, Almost like smiling. Even if he was in pain, he was suffering, he was sick, he had a good attitude. And one of the signs of the believers, Al-Mu'min Huznuhu, fi qalbe, the true believer, his sorrow is in his heart. But you see him smiling on the outside. Always have that positive attitude, even if you're suffering. Have you seen some people? They're down. They've lost money in the market. They're sick. you can't talk to them. They're in, they're in a bad mood. The Prophet would never be in a bad mood, even if in his heart he's sorrowful. He would not be in a bad mood. Yes. So how could the Prophet have that Uh, face all the time and still have that sorrow in his face as well like... See sometimes you go through a difficulty, you're hurt, you're going through a trial, a loved one is dying, somebody's causing you problems, you see people being oppressed, you see the hypocrites and the unbelievers doing what they do, your wives are creating problems in your house every day, that hurts him but he puts a smile, he doesn't show you his sadness, Some people, the smallest thing that happens in their homes, oh no, they have to let everybody know that they're going through pain. The Prophet would hide that from the people. When he goes out in the community, he puts his personal problems away and he smiles in the face of the people. He is bleeding in his heart but he's smiling. You can, we all experience it. I've known many people who have this you know um, lifestyle. الْجَانِبِ لَيْسَ بِفَضْلٍ وَلَا So even though he's God's greatest messenger, he was very easygoing, he's very flexible. Have you seen some people, they're not flexible, they have their rules, their way of doing things. The Prophet was not like that. You travel with him, he's flexible. You get up with him, he's flexible. You eat with him, he's lenient, he's flexible. He's not rigid. You have to go through his way. Yeah, halal and haram sure, he's, he's firm with that but when it comes to other things it's okay, you know some people their preference they impose it on others, <laughs> he's not like that, he doesn't impose his taste or his preference on others. fahashun? wala ayabun? wala maddah? Four qualities, number one he's not Sakhab, Sakhab is yelling, being loud, being obnoxiously loud, Have you seen some people they're very loud, they don't respect those who are around them, even if they're in public space they're loud, the Prophet would not loud, was not loud, he would not yell, this is not part of good akhlaq to yell, we raise our voices a lot especially in our homes, the Prophet would not raise his voice, that's part of his personal akhlaq. Number two, wala fahash, he never would use profanity, any indecent words, even if the person deserved it, the Prophet would not use those words. It's haram to use profanity, number two, it blocks your dua, the tongue that uses profanity, when you supplicate, the hadith says, one of the reasons why Allah may not answer your dua, is because of profane language that you use, foul language, This blocks our dua from being answered. Because Allah says to the angels, I don't want this mouth that speaks foul language to make this supplication. I don't want that. Yes. Is there a specific hadith or Quran Quran verse that actually says that? Like blocks your dua? It's hadith, yeah. It's not in the Quran, it's in the hadith. That when you use foul language, that blocks your dua. Yes. Now when you use foul language, it against others, or say if you're by yourself? Even if you're by yourself. Some people by themselves, they use very uh, obscene words, that's not appropriate, that's not part of good akhlaq and that has a negative impact on your soul by the way, it leaves a trace of negativity, so if you really want Allah to accept your duas, whether you're alone, whether you're with others, don't use profane language, avoid that, the Prophet would never use profane language, obscene words, foul language, he'd never, he'd keep away from that, even with his enemies, Number three, wala ayyab, ayyab comes from ayyab, ayyab means someone who excessively finds faults in others, they have a habit in pointing out your faults, your fault, your fault, the Prophet would not do that, he would not point out the faults of people. And number four, wala maddah, what does maddah mean, from madh, he doesn't praise people, now we live in a culture where we want praise, right, you have to praise all those around you, it's very common when you're introducing someone, you have to praise them. The prophet generally speaking would avoid praising someone, why? See the prophet is a leader, when you praise people you encourage flatterer, people who flatter you, the sycophants and the flatterers and a lot of falsehood is said when people praise one another, I see it myself, you know, people exaggerate and they lie when they're introducing someone, yes my friend, Allah, he's the best human being on earth, he's the most humble person I've seen in my life, it's all false, I've never seen him do anything wrong and even in funerals by the way, see we have a hadith that says, amwata أَمْوَاتَكُمْ khair. mention the good qualities of your uh, deceased ones, don't mention their mistakes, but it doesn't mean go and lie, some funerals when you attend them and you hear the speaker talking about the deceased or one of the family members, you you think that he's talking about the Prophet or one of the Imams, seriously I see this every time, don't exaggerate, don't excessively praise people, so Islam discourages uh, this culture of praising, 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 yes sometimes you need to give credit to people in order to motivate acts of goodness, a young child reads Quran, praise them, motivate them, somebody did a good thing, has a good community project, appropriately moderately praise them, so that you encourage people to follow suit, but just to have the culture of praising, 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 no this is something Islam discourages and the Prophet did not have that habit, he would not excessively praise those people around him, يَتَغَافَلُ يشتهي. The Prophet doesn't like something, he doesn't have a preference for it, he doesn't even let you know, he doesn't point it out, he ignores it. That shows how humble he was and that he was self, uh, selfless, not selfish. Some of us, we quickly point out what our preferences are. Sometimes you see this with guests, like they come, to your house, they're staying a few days, you know the minute they walk through the door, this is what I like things, this is how I like it, this is the time, they they give you all their preferences, their likes and and what they don't like. The Prophet would avoid that, because the Prophet would not make it a priority, what do I like and what's my taste and what's my preference. So even if it's something he doesn't prefer, he ignores it, he does not even let you know that that teaches you my dear brothers and sisters not to be selfish. I remember once um, a couple, they were discussing something so the wife's, the husband said or the wife said, the wife said that when they first got married, the husband did not like onions in the food, he just, that was his preference. For six months after marriage, he did not make it known to her that he does not like onions. (laughs) because he just wanted to be polite, even to that point he was training himself, then she somehow discovered, now you could say okay you know this is silly, this is taking it too far, no he has a point, because when you say yes to your nephews once, you say yes twice, three times until it drags you, he did not let her know that he doesn't like onions, she wants to put onions in the food, let her put onions, that's fine, this was the akhlaq of the Prophet, The Prophet was such that people always were hopeful towards him. Some people, you just give up on them, right? You know, مَا يَطْلَعْ <laughs> No goodness comes out of them. You know, don't bother asking them to help you to do this, don't bother. The Prophet was never like that, every human being had hope that if I approach him, I'll get something, I'll get results, he'll help me, he'll do something, that's how the Prophet was, everyone had hope in him, even in the enemies and the hypocrites, they had hope in him. Then he says there are three things the Prophet avoided, one Al-Mira, arguing, one of the big sins sometimes that can become a big sin is just to argue, it destroys Iman. Sometimes you're sitting in a gathering and there's a discussion. Okay, you make your point once, okay Allah twice. No, some people they have to make their point and they keep even if you're right. The hadith says, even if you're on there, your point is right. Khala, stop arguing, drop it. Said it, you've said it once, you've made your case, enough but to insist and insist and go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and argue and argue and prove yourself, that's not a sign of iman and good character. The Prophet would never do that. There's a discussion, he says his, his opinion, he mentions you, his evidence and that's it, move on. I'm not going to sit here and try to prove myself that I'm right. He would never do that. Because when you have the habit of arguing, eventually you become selfish, self-centered because it's only about my ideas and my opinions and what I think. Over time people who are excessive argument argu- arguers, usually they're not receptive to what you have to say, it's their opinion, I want to sh- shove it on you, the Prophet would avoid that, make your case once, twice, it's enough. So number one, the Prophet would avoid arguing, <coughs> Number two, wal-ikthar, he'd avoid excessive talk, we've talked about that. Number three, wa anything that the Prophet, it wasn't his business, he wouldn't talk about it. Have you seen some people, they're very noise, nosy. they have to get involved in everything, even in things that don't pertain to them, they have to insert themselves in it, the Prophet would avoid that. If it's not my business, it's not my business, I'm not going to get involved. then he says إذا تكلم الطرق جلساؤه كأنما على رؤوسهم الطير yes what did you said there's four things but I think you mentioned three جملة المرآة اكتاف الحديث ومن ما لا يعني yes three things yeah if I said four it's three when he would speak he says the companions who would surround him they would be so captivated and moved by his speech that there would be pitch silence. When the Prophet would speak, there would be pitch silence. Everyone listens. تكلمو, when he'd stop his speech, then they'd speak. Now, usually kings are like that too. When a king is talking, nobody dares to speak. But the Prophet, but the difference between the kings and the Prophet, the kings use their power to impose that authority. The Prophet, he had that divine respect from Allah, that when you're around him and he's speaking, everyone is silent. Not because you're scared of his power or he's going to punish you or rebuke you, no that's not why, but because he's so captivating, he has such an amazing glorious presence, you just naturally keep silent when he's talking that's given by Allah, I've seen this by the way with ulama and scholars, sometimes you're in the presence of a scholar, the scholar has no political power, he can't hurt you, he can't do anything, but when you're in his presence, you just feel the divine blessings of Allah, so you just keep quiet and listen to them, that's how the Prophet was. If the companions are talking about something and they laugh, the Prophet laughs with them. If they show interest in something, he shows interest. If they're shocked about something, he, he, he plays along with them. What does this mean? See some people who are arrogant, they don't really care about what their friends are talking about or their family members or companions. If it's important to me, I'll show interest, if not, forget you guys. Have you seen some people like that? If there's a conversation about their areas of interest, oh they'll command the whole session. But if it's not a topic that interests them, they even show you frustration, they don't care. The Prophet, when he was with with his companions, if they laugh about something, they're interested in something, he'd laugh with them. He's showing them, I'm one of you. That's amazing for a leader to do that. By the way, we're assuming this is an Haqq. If they're doing ghibah and laughing, no he's not going to laugh with them, it's a given. But let's say they find something funny, okay the Prophet goes with the flow, they're shocked about something, they're interested in something, he goes with them. Have you seen kids, like you're talking to a child and that child says, look, look at that tree, you're like wow, that's an amazing tree. You know how much that means to the child when you do that, it means a lot you connect to the child, the Prophet would do that with his companions, they find something amazing, he shows amazement, they find something funny, he laughs with them, only a a genuinely sincere and humble person does that. When a stranger would come and the stranger would be rough with the Prophet, maybe even a little bit disrespectful, the Prophet would be patient with him, some people can't tolerate it, حَتَّىٰ أَنْ كَانَ أَصْحَابَهُ This phrase has two meanings, the first meaning is that when they would see a stranger coming to maybe not be so respectful with the Prophet or to be rough with the Prophet, they distract him and talk to him and keep him away from the Prophet so he doesn't bother the Prophet let's say somebody comes, he's known to be rough and aggressive, he's coming towards the Prophet and we know he's going to sit there and not respect the Prophet, the Prophet he himself wouldn't say anything but what would his companions do? They take him, they distract him, talk to him so he doesn't sit next to the Prophet and annoy the Prophet, they would handle that, that's the first meaning, the second meaning is that sometimes The companions wished someone, a stranger would come to the Prophet who was a little bit bold, see the companions they were shy to ask the Prophet many questions, like they'll sit with him, they'll ask him a question or two and then they feel embarrassed to keep burdening him with questions but they want to learn from him, so you know what they would do? They wish a stranger comes who's not shy and embarrassed to sit and ask the Prophet so they learn from the answers. That's the other meaning for this phrase over here. وَلَا يَقْطَعُ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ حَدِيثَهُ حَتَّىٰ يَجُوزِ فَيَقْطَعُهُ بِانْتِهَاءٍ أَوْ قِيَامٍ أو يَجُورٍ He says the Prophet would never interrupt you and cut you off. You're talking, he lets you finish your speech. He doesn't cut you off until you trespass your limits you start attacking people, you start making accusations, you say something baton, something that's false or backbiting, then what, the, what, then what would the Prophet do? Then he would stop the speech of that person, but do you know how? The Prophet will just leave, he would not yell at you and embarrass you, you just leave, you just leave the session. If somebody starts going into falsehood, he just leaves the session.